And um, Patricia and I, um, we, are, we are so in love with the church over here. I mean, we, we really want to express our gratitude to Jeremy and Amy uh, doing such a powerful job and leading this incredible congregation. Yesterday, the brother took me out to watch a movie. Oh, man, that was an incredible experience. I've not watched a movie for the past maybe two years, and uh, I just found out, man, you got you to gotta go out and have more fun have watching some incredible movies, you know? Just like yesterday, I know Jeremy, he likes, uh, you know, science fictions and... Uh, well, bro, so let's go watch this one. It's going to be fun. But guess me, I love documentaries. I want nature. I want to see lions and... You know, wildlife, and uh, that movie was intense. It lasted probably two hours. I was probably asleep maybe 25 times. And then, uh, so I just want to, I just, I just want to confess to Jeremy and to the brothers, you know, because they're like, bro, how did you find a movie? I went, oh, it was cool, man. But most part, I was just, you know, just coming back like, okay, what's happening? Oh, okay, they're killing somebody? Not yet. Okay, all right. And, uh, but it was fun. It was fun being with the brothers, and I get to know all the Bible Talk leaders, and uh, now I know a lot of names. I have new friends. Thank you so much for hosting us, and uh, I promise we're coming back soon by the grace of God. Amen? That's awesome. Uh, and sisters, your Women's Day was so powerful, was so powerful yesterday, and uh, even though I was not invited, but I was doing everything to just, you know. Unfortunately, by the end, the food was gone, and then... I went around the table, I found nothing, so Jeremy had to give me a coffee somewhere, no problem, but I was happy. But I still love all the sisters, amen? Praise the Lord. The title of my chart this morning is, Do Not Drift Away. Let's start with a prayer. Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for being such a loving dad. You always have a plan to prosper and not to harm us. And today we're before you because of the cross, because of your, the blood of Christ that cleanses us, Father, from all iniquities and unrighteousness. We are so thankful to be in your kingdom. Thank you for forgiving us, Father, when we don't deserve it. And, Father, we are all sinners, Father. And uh, if you were to expose what we're doing, Father, all day long, we'll be so ashamed and so embarrassed we will not come out of our rooms, Father. And uh, thank you for the grace of forgiveness. And today, Father, we are not here because... Uh, Father, of anything we've done, it's because of your grace, it's because of your blood. We do acknowledge that, Father, and we don't want to take it for granted. Father, what a beautiful church you're building in Phoenix. This is a church that's having an impact, Father, all around the movement. And sometimes, Father, people can tell, Father, the, 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 the worth of the church by the size, Father, but we don't understand the church is big, Father, because of its heart for missions. It's heart for you to obey you, Lord. We pray that you're going to grow our numbers so that, Father, in every community in this area, we're going to have a group of sold-out disciples preaching the true gospel of Christ Jesus. Father, I pray that you'll be with uh, Jeremy and Amy. Father, thank you for the great work they're doing. Strengthen them and strengthen the entire leadership team, Father. Give them vision. And, Father, thank you so much for strengthening the church. We love you so much, Father. We just want to be used by you. I don't know how to speak, Father. Just speak through me. Push me aside. And take the lead now so that you can meet the needs of your people. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I bring you greetings from uh, the valley. Uh, that's right. We live in a valley in uh, Los Angeles. It's very hot. Not as hot as over here, you know. But uh, over here, luckily, we landed at a moment where you guys feel like the weather is nice. You know what I mean? 
And then I asked Anthony, what do you mean by the weather is nice? He goes, about 90, 90, 95. I went, what? In a valley? That's hot. He goes, bro, you're lucky. Actually, that was Gabby. You're lucky to land at this moment. So keep praying for me to land when it's 90, okay? I can, amen, all right. So do not drift away. What is this all about? Let's go to Hebrews chapter one. Hebrews is, for me, it is a book in a Bible you cannot ignore that you have to really know. It's a book of Hebrew. Because I believe the book of Hebrew is a crossroad between the Old and the New Testament. And uh, if you really read it, you can understand the Old Testament by reading the book of Hebrew. And at this moment, I really believe Hebrews was written before the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. I believe. Why? Because if you read in the book of Hebrews, you're going to find out that it's still talking about the sacrifices happening in the temple in the present tense. So that's an indication for me that this was written before the temple was destroyed. And also, this book is very important because at the moment the Holy Spirit is inspired this book, some disciples have been, a, have been disciples for a certain amount of time. And you know, there's always a test of time with whatever you do. You could be excited in every project at the very beginning, but that's not really where you could judge yourself. You have to give yourself some time in whatever you're doing to see if you're really, really, really committed to that thing. It might be a relationship. It might be a project. Most of the time, time will prove us wrong. We'll start with excitement, and then along the way, we're going to just drift away. And this was happening to disciples, especially disciples from the Hebrews, back, from Jewish background. They were tempted to go back to Judaism because of persecution from their parents, from their relatives, and also because Judaism, compared to, Christ, uh, to our faith in Christ, I mean, you have some tangible evidences that you can see. You can see the temple, you can see the rituals, you can see the ceremonies, you can see, you have something in Judaism that could keep you grounded on it. But our faith looks a little bit like, well, okay, what is your temple? We are the temple of God. You don't have any other temple, you know, in, in, in Christianity, in, in, uh, in our faith, Christian faith. You don't, you, don't, you don't go to a particular location to meet with God, right? You don't have any ritual ceremonies going on. So they were tempted to go back. And then the Holy Spirit inspired this entire book to bring them back, get their attention, strengthen them, and push them to grow to maturity. Amen? And then starting in chapter 1 over here from verse 1, he goes, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful words. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven, so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. If you keep reading, I mean, it's just start straight into the topic. There's no, hello, how you doing guys? My name is Paul, you know, no formalities. It tells you about the urgency to really get this disciple solid. He goes, you are in danger of falling away. Let me just start from point one. Jesus is all you need. Yeah. God spoke to you and to your forefathers through the prophets. Of course, yes. Of course, the Old Testament is from God. Of course, the prophets were the verses used to announce the coming of the Messiah. But Jesus is the ultimate prophet. 
You don't get to know Jesus and then you're thinking about going back to Isaiah. It doesn't make any sense. You're supposed to go forward and not backwards. Don't you understand? Not only Jesus is the ultimate prophet, he's the son of God. Nobody in the Old Testament was the son of God. And not only is the son of God, he's the creator of everything. He holds the universe in his hands. He's the exact representation of who God is. He's even superior to the angels. And if you keep reading, you're going to find some amazing nuggets right here. He goes, let me compare Jesus Christ to what is getting your attention back. To, to all the figures and all the riches of Judaism. Jesus is superior to the angels. He's superior to the prophets. He's superior to Moses. He's superior to Joshua. He's superior to the high priest Aaron. And then in between these arguments, there's a lot of warnings. Because Jesus is superior to the prophets. Make sure you pay a more careful attention to the gospel. Let's go to chapter 2, verse 1. He goes, verse 1 over here. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard. What have we heard? Jesus is greater than the prophets. He's greater than the angels. He's greater than even Moses, Aaron, and Joshua. And because of that, please pay a more careful attention to that message so that you do not drift away. That means there's a danger when you start neglecting the gospel, when you start neglecting the grace of God and you're not digging deep into the knowledge of Christ, something terrible is going to happen. You can drift away from the faith. Because this faith, verse 2, since this message spoken to angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received his just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation was first announced by whom? By the Lord. Was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by sign wonders and various miracles and by gift of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Church, there's a true danger for a son of God to fall away from Christ. It happens all the time. Don't listen to any false prophet, any false teacher that tells you, hey, guess what? Well, you're saved, once saved, always saved. Don't worry about it. Once you're baptized, you're going to heaven no matter what happened. It is not true. Because if this was true, what about all the warnings that you have in the scripture that tells you to pay attention of your work with God, to pay attention on how you love Jesus? Because you could fall away. You could go back to your vomit. Many things can happen to you. You can lose your crown. It is in the scriptures. So we have to absolutely believe only what the Bible says. Amen, church? So, how are we going to proceed to really stay away from the danger of falling away? I have a couple of points this morning. Number one, we have to understand, number one, the real danger of drifting. There's a danger of drifting. And there's a real danger. Amen, church? The Bible talks about that every time. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 to 14. He says over here, Hebrews 3, 12 to 14. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has what? A sinful and unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be what? Hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come, we have come to share in Christ 
If indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. You see that? There's a possibility to fall away. Man, what about being a disciple for 27 years and telling you all these incredible stories, all the surviving stories from Africa, from India, from all over the place, just to end up falling away from Christ? Do you know how many people in the street of Phoenix are former disciples and former Christians? And you meet them, they go, oh, yeah, I used, to be, I used to go to church. Yeah, I knew Jesus once. You know, I knew the Bible. No, that cannot happen. That should not happen to any of us. But you got to invest in that, amen? amen? And these are things that you should know about drifting away. There's a real danger. Number one, what do you have to know about drifting away? Drifting requires no efforts. That's why it's easy to fall away. Because it requires no efforts. And actually, at the moment, when you don't want to do any effort in your relationship with God, you're a candidate. You're a candidate. The devil wants those type of people in the church. Doesn't want a church that's asking them for commitment. They don't want a church that's asking them to evangelize, to give contribution, to go to the neighborhood and share their faith. They don't want that because they don't want to be comfortable. If you want to be comfortable, the kingdom of God is not for you. Because you're going to fall away. Because... Falling away requires no effort. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1, it says what? We must pay uh, uh, the most careful attention, therefore, to what? To what we've heard, so that we do not drift away. There's no effort. If you don't pay attention, you're gone. What effort does it take to slander somebody else? What effort does it take not to read your Bible every morning? What effort does it take not to evangelize? I mean... Drifting away is so easy because it requires no efforts. That's probably why some people are falling away from Christ. You just have to stop paddling, you stop roaring, you stop navigating, and the boat will become, begin to drift. Right? Number two, it is an unconscious process. There's a real danger. Not only it takes no effort, but it is an unconscious process at first. That means somebody who is drifting away might not even realize it. Does that make sense? I remember planting the church in a place called Congo in Africa. And uh, you have two countries called Congos. And you have the Belgian Congo and then the French Congo. But they're only divided by one river in the middle, the Congo River. And on both sides, you have the capital cities of Kinshasa and then Brazzaville. Patricia and I planted the church in Brazzaville, but we're overseeing the church in Kinshasa. So every time to go encourage the church in Kinshasa, you have to cross the river. But guess what? The boats that they use over there are not just like the boats you have over here in Phoenix in the canal, right? Some nice boats, you know, and then air conditioning there. Yeah, I mean, that's amazing. And, all right, you go on a boat over here, you have your air conditioner, you pay maybe $10, and then they drive you through the canal, and then you come back safe, no problem. There's no crocodile in the canal, right? <laughs> yeah, there's no hippopotamus there. There's no, it's just a nice canal, you know what I mean? It's like the Lord has taken all the danger in it. I mean, just, you just have a ride. You can sleep. You can read. You can eat your whatsoever, water, in and out. No problem. You know what I mean? And the life is good. And you're always sure you're going to be safe. Nothing's going to happen to you in the canal, actually. Amen. What's going to happen to you in the canal? But sometimes, by living in such an amazing country like this, we could get out of touch with the true reality in the rest of the world. You go to Congo, and then you're about, you want to cross that river, you're going to see the type of boat they're going to put you into. 
I think even Peter's boat was better than some of the boats that he used. You know what I mean? So, and then we're gonna we go, and then we keep hearing these crazy stories. You know, there's some people that the boat was drifted away, and then the shipwreck. It happens every time. Just Google it: Congo River shipwrecked. You're gonna see a lot of stories, true stories. People die by hundreds every year just crossing that river. And then we went on the boat. I'm crossing the boat with two other uh, evangelists, and then uh, and then we're praying to to reach Congo. And that boat was designed to have about 15 people or 20 people. But over there in Congo, they'll put like 50, 55, 60 people to make money, of course. And then we're all packed in it. And the engine is not only, or actually the original engine of the boat. The engine has been probably you know, transformed so many times. It's probably the engine of a dead car somewhere. They put it there, they manage. And the way they start the boat, they put 50 people on it or 60 people, and the boat's like this. You can already see it. Like it's not balanced. It takes a lot of faith to get in, man. <laughs> not just to get in, but sometimes to get your wife in that boat. Oh, my goodness. And then when everybody on board, now this guy will put a rope on the engine and go, I'm like 15 times try it, it goes, and then there's a thick, dark, black smoke going in the air there. Wow, talking about polluting the environment, right? And then uh, they go, bah, 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 bah. and then you guys are going, moving a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, you know, every 10 minutes, maybe you're moving like a two inches. You know, move, move. And we all the ace, like, man, it's, you're, you're all like, there's no air conditioning, no space, yeah, a lot of people. And right there by the middle of the river, the engine stopped. <laughs> We're like, what's going on? And then we see the pilot is like trying to, to start that stuff again. No way. And if you have read about the Congo River, it's one of the most dangerous rivers on planet Earth. There's a subtle current underneath, and it leads you to an incredible fall. And then you can shipwreck. It's easy. People die all the time. And then before we found out, after like 10, 15 minutes now, the engine is not coming. Uh, it's not starting again, and people are freaking out. We're all freaking out because now the boat is subtly, slowly being drifted out of our path, right? And then the two brothers look at me. They go, hey, bro, you disciple us. What should we do? <laughs> I go, now nah, you, you want a tea time, right? <laughs> now nah, I should tell you what we're going to do. Do you think I have an idea what we're going to do, bro? Don't ask me, man. Let's pray, bro. <laughs> they all, you know, they're all looking at me like, bro, what should we do? I mean, tell us, you know, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? I mean, you guys, can you think a little bit, man? What's going to happen? You want me to tell you the bad news? I'm not going to tell you that. Let's just pray. And we pray, 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 pray. Pray, Lord, beg God. I'm thinking about my wife who's home, my kids. It's, Lord, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. You know what disciples say all the time? I want to die for Jesus. I'm not too sure. <laughs> yeah, it's easy to say that right here with air conditioning room. Yeah, are you ready to die for Jesus? Yeah, sign me in. <laughs> the Lord is like, you are joking, man. You don't even know what you're talking about. You want to really die? When you face it, I don't think you go, okay, now it's time to go home. Okay, guys, I'm going to heaven. Bye. No, we don't do it like that. I was freaking out. I went, Lord, I'm too young to die, you know, Lord. <laughs> Have mercy on me, Father. I'm going to evangelize all the nation, please. Give me some time. We pray, begging God. Man, those prayers are intense. 
for some of us, it takes us being in a very hot situation to start really praying with our heart, amen? But when things are going well, you're praying like, hey, Father, how you doing? You know, amen, all right? What's the weather like in heaven right there, you know what I mean? And then, by the grace of God, the engine, pop, 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 pop. No, didn't start. Oh, doesn't start. It took another boat sent by God, I really believe. That boat was overloaded as well, but they, but they had enough compassion to come to us, put a rope to tie our boats to theirs, and drag us to the shore. Praise the Lord. That's why I'm here in Phoenix, amen. But it's a very unconscious process at the beginning. When you're drifting, you don't know it until it's too, too, too late. When the speed of the current increases, that's the moment you notice it. And most of the time, it's too late. That's when people start screaming, ah, we died! Too late. Because you don't want to be at that place, amen? So it's an unconscious process. And number three, drifting away also, and there's something you have to know about it. Guess what? You never drift upstream or against the tide. I wish this could be true, but it never happened like that. Like drifting against the tide? No, it takes a force. Because something, you're riding the river and the current is going this way and then you're going this way. So it takes the power of the engine to get the boat, propel the boat forward, right? But if you stop the engine, what's going to happen? The currents are going to take over the leads. And you never drift away upstream. And upstream, guess what? In the Christian life, we are riding against the tide of the world to go to heaven. You see, and it takes an energy to propel you forward. You have the Holy Spirit and you have your own will. That means you have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Some disciples are waiting for the Holy Spirit to do the prayer, to do the quiet time for you, to evangelize for you, to do everything for you. And all you have to do is just say, hallelujah, Holy Spirit, thank you. It doesn't work that way. It's the Holy Spirit plus your will. You have to make the decision to submit. It requires effort from you to keep you know, riding against the tides. That's why Christian life is so tiring. If you're a true disciple and you're never tired, put a question mark before you. And some people fall away because they say, oh, I don't know, man. Since I've become a disciple, I know, man, life is very hard for me. I feel tired all the time. I go, of course, Yes. Because you are swimming against the tides. And every day you have to battle against the temptations, against, you know, the waves of impurities. And you have to battle against, you know, uh, bitterness. You have to battle. You have to invite somebody, study with them, give them your, your food. And sometimes after three months, they don't get baptized. That's disappointing. Right? I go, I see you. I go, hi, Joe. How you doing, man? Do you want to study the Bible with me? Yes. And then I'm investing in you to save you. And then I take you to, I don't know, man, to Chipotle. And then I buy you some tacos. I'm a nice Christian. But, but I'm trying. I'm courting you. I want to save you. I want to get you married to Christ. I'm trying to sell you Christ, right? And I do everything. I visit you when you're sick. I go to the hospital with you. I stay with you up to midnight to study the Bible. And then we're going moving forward. After three months, you go, no, I don't want to be a disciple. What do you think that's doing this to me? Man, I'm hit. That's hard for me, man. And I feel tired. But you're only tired because you're riding against the tides. 
Now, don't let anyone sell you this false Christianity where you go, I don't want this church. They're always doing missions. They take my money. They take my time. They take my heart. They take my mind. They take everything about me. I don't want that church. That's actually the church you want to be into. Right? Now, if you want to stop swimming, you don't want to swim against the tide, guess what? Okay, the currents are going to take over. And the currents are going to determine where you're going to land. Do you want that to happen? And you go find yourself a church where they only go once a month, right? Or they go once a week to go, hallelujah, and they stay only there 30 minutes, you know what I mean? All right, it's okay, don't tell me to give money, don't tell me to evangelize, don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell me. And you go, why is it comfortable over here? I love this church. Even the preacher speaks slowly. Man, this place is so calm. This place is so neat. Even the preacher, he goes like, hello, everybody. I'm Pastor Bob. May the peace of the Lord be with all of you. I love it. When it becomes so comfortable like that, guys, guess what? That's the atmosphere in hell. Why do you think hell is attractive? Because hell would deceive you. And everything is just like that. No, guys. You have to keep riding against the tides. That's a sign that you are safe and that you're still alive in Christ. Amen? Yeah. Another sign. The speed downstream increases when you're drifting away. At first, you don't see it. But when you're getting closer to the waterfall, what happened? The speed goes faster. Ooh, at that moment, it's probably too late to try to reverse it. So I don't advise any disciple to find himself in that position. Because temptation at the beginning, you can fight against temptation. When you're, when you're being tempted with immorality, with anger, whatever it is, at the beginning, it's only a seed that was planted by the devil in your heart. You could still, you could still master it. You could... Take it out. You could be open. You could be real. You could go on your knees. You could open the scriptures. You could get convicted about it, and you could reverse it. What about if you give some time to the seed to grow? What's going to happen? Now the seed is going to give birth to what? Absolutely the same to a little tree. And once you have a tree on your heart, in your heart, what happened? The tree is going to grow roots because the tree now needs to be strong takes over. You see the concrete outside? For those who are engineers, I mean concrete, to have a concrete like this is a very solid process. The concrete, you see the, the amount of cars that go in the concrete and they never damage the concrete? The concrete is solid. Just plant a tree around the concrete and give that tree some time. What would the roots do to the concrete? Very subtle process. It takes time, but the roots of the tree will absolutely break the concrete. That's how the roots, of, the roots of sin operate in our heart. They just want you to give them a chance to come nest in your heart. At the beginning, they are a little seed. You could pluck them away. You could confess your anger. You could confess your bad attitude. You could confess it and you could get rid of it. But if you give it some time, oh my goodness, it's like the speeding process with the stream. At one moment, you cannot control it anymore. It's too late. Even if you want to. Don't get yourself in trouble, church. The speed down some increases. Those are some of the things that we have to know about drifting away is a real danger. Amen, church? And then lastly, it is dangerous to others' people. 
When you're drifting away, you become a danger to other people. Does that make sense? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. Hebrews 12, 15. Drifting away makes you a danger to other disciples. Hebrews 12, 15. Are you there? All right. See to it, brothers. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter roots grows up to cause trouble and defile many people. See? A bitter root will grow up and defile only you. No. Defile many people. See? Because the rest of the church is going this way. We're going to heaven. We are riding against the tide. And then now you turn your back and you want to go back. Then there's a friction now when you're going back. You're the friction. Since we're one body, we are connected. And before you find out, you're going to share what's going on in your heart with other people around you. And most of the time, it's not good stories that you are sharing. You're bitter against leadership. Guess what? When you're falling away, when you're drifting away, you've changed your glasses. Your glasses are always dark now. You've taken away the glasses of Christ. Now you have the glasses of the devil. You see everything in black. The preacher is, oh man, I don't want this place. Preacher is boring. Church is boring. Friendship is boring. Bible talk is boring. Reading the Bible, praying is boring. When you feel that way, you're in danger. And then you start polluting other people's faith, and then you can drag people away with you. Is that what you want to do? No church. So those are the signs that, that prove that it's dangerous to be in that position. And no disciple should want to be there. Please, you can take you to hell. You can lose your salvation about that. So it's a dangerous process. Number two, let's give, let me give you some common signs of spiritual drifting. That means some symptoms that you can diagnose in your own life. How do you know you're doing well spiritually this morning? If you find one of these signs in you, it's time to go see the doctor spiritually right now and get yourself back in good shape. Amen, church? The first sign that shows that once it's drifting away, number one, is the diminishing desire to reach your Bible. The diminishing desire to reach your Bible. Is that happening to you and me? Psalms 119, verse 97. It's the longest psalm in the Bible. 119. If you really want to meditate, most disciples don't meditate. They don't meditate in the book of Psalms. Have you read to chapter 119? Not yet. Because it's really long. Amen. 119, verse 97. What does he say? He says, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. I mean, see this. David is not just writing about him reading the Bible. He shares his emotion. He shares the state of mind that he has when he reads the Bible. You see, he writes by starting. Whenever somebody starts by saying, oh, he gets your attention. When somebody says, oh. What's he conveying? He's even put that in writing. Was he supposed to put this in the Bible? He goes, oh. I mean, how do you write that? Oh. <laughs> so he's trying to tell us something about his excitement. He goes, oh, how I love your law. Yeah. Most disciples will only say, I love your law. But not David. David goes, oh. It's like, it's like sitting in front of your favorite meal. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, right? 
Yeah, of course. Yeah, you look emotionless in a church. You look like you have no emotion until you finish church and you go for your favorite lunch. Man, in the fellowship, you don't say, oh, oh, bro, let me give you a hug. Oh, can I serve the church? You're not like that in the church. You're very wise. You know, you're very calm. No problem. Until you get out to Chipotle. And when they put that tacos in front of you, you go, oh, 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 oh. Oh, I love Phoenix. I love this city. You don't even say, I love this restaurant. You go, I love this city. <laughs> Tell me why how the two can come together. Because you're excited. Right? You're excited. Yeah, you'll be like motionless. You don't want to lead any Bible talk. You'll fall like, you know, but you're leading your company over there. You make a lot of money. But when you come to church, you don't want to serve. You just sit on the back here. Meditating all the time. Until, oh, that sister walks in the church. You go, oh, the kingdom is great, man. She's great or the kingdom is great. When you're excited, man, you know, you blow things out of proportion, man. Now you're excited. Every time you see her, you're like animated. You're like, sis, man, why? what about the Bible talk tomorrow, man? What time are you getting over there? You're like, yeah, I Because if you do something because you love it, everybody sees it. Does that make sense? Is that how you're coming to church these times? Is that how you read your Bible these days? Do you read it because you have to? Or do you read your Bible every morning because you need to? See, the diminishing desire to read my Bible is a sign that tells me, hey, Blaze, the process of you drifting away just started. And you have to reverse it. And I've been in the South for 27 years. Guess what? That happens to me sometimes. Where I don't really want to read my Bible. Sometimes I feel like I already know it. What arrogance. You know the Bible, bro? Man, you're stupid. <laughs> what a stupid excuse. Sometimes I go, you know, I just open it like this. And, you know. Oh, Zephaniah. Some of us, that's how we do it right now. We go. By the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Guess what? Isaiah 58, true fasting. That's what maybe some of us need to do this morning to go back into the scriptures, amen? <laughs> Demolition desire to read the Bible is not a good thing. It's time to go back in your scripture. You have to buy yourself a new Bible. Sometimes you've been with that Bible for so long. You know, that you've used it for so long, it's destroyed all over, man. You underline every single verse. You know, it's falling apart. And your Bible is... The less nicest thing in your, in your home. You know, but if I look at your jacket, it's brand new. If I look at your shoes, brand new. If I look at your haircut, brand new. But I look at your Bible, it's coming from the first century. <laughs> it's time to buy yourself a new Bible. Every time I feel that way and I buy myself a new Bible. You see what a new crispy? It smells good. The letter, you know. <laughs> Oh, I don't know about you. I need to find motivation everywhere. You know what I mean? I go, oh, this Bible, man. Oh, oh how I love you, Lord, Lord, amen. <laughs> Buy yourself a new Bible. Buy yourself a new version. Buy yourself a new a, a notebook. 
and buy yourself a pen with multiple colors? I mean, don't tell me you're investing in your Bible knowledge when you only have a whole Bible and you're writing on a piece of paper like this, you know, just cut it. Only it's not my quiet time. Okay. What, what am I learning? Oh, Jonah was swallowed by, 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 by a fish. Amen. Wow, the fish. Wow, that big fish. Bro, why are you writing your quiet time on? Oh, let me. You want me to share with you, bro? Yeah, my quiet time this morning, just by the quality of your paper, I can tell you the quality of your quiet time. What is that? Is that how you treat the word of God? Like this? Why didn't you have your marriage contract on this stuff like this? Don't mock the Lord. You have to be serious. It's time to come back to the Bible. Amen, church? What is the other sign that tells you that uh, you're drifting away? The diminishing desire to pray. That's one that I have to battle with all the time. Diminishing desire. Guess what? Time is going to test you. So you always start with the Lord, like, fire up, but along the way, you can get complacent with your prayer life. You know, and then you just pray as a formality, but your heart is not into it. I remember the days I was screaming in my prayer life. I would go out of the house, I would find a tree somewhere. Go, Lord, help me, Father, have mercy on me, Father! When your voice is going down slowly in your prayer life, it's a sign that your love for God is going down. When you speak less and less. At the beginning, we're like, Father, help me. I love you, Jesus. I want to be fired up in the kingdom. Father, after six months, somebody comes and visits you. Father, I want to be in the kingdom. You know, I want to love you, Lord. After two years, Father, I love you. And I want to read the Bible all the time. After three years, four years, five years. Father, let me just tell it. <laughs> after eight years in the faith, ten years. Doing, I am praying in my heart. You're praying in your heart. What about if David pray all the psalms, psalms in his heart? Will you read it today? How will you know? The Bible says Jesus was praying how, with loud cries and tears. When was the last time you were moved by your own prayers to tears? Now. If that had not happened for a long time, how do you think that lukewarm prayer is going to move God? The diminution desire to pray is a sure sign that you are drifting away from God. But the good news is, if you are part of what I'm saying right now, you can reverse it today. Amen? Amen? That's what happens to me. When I find out that I go, man, it's been two weeks, my prayer has been weak sus. I would just go out the next morning, the next night. I will go somewhere, hide myself, and start screaming to God. Father, let me please come back to you with all my heart. And then after 30 minutes, I will feel good about myself. That's the good news with Christ. You can reverse it quickly. Amen, church? Another thing that tells you that you're drifting, the diminishing desire to give your money. Ooh, that one is a big one. The diminishing desire to give your money. Some disciples are better disciples when they are poor. Because when they are poor, they have now enough motivation to go beg God for blessings. Right? So they're committed. They pray three times per day. 
Man, you're making only $500 per month now. You go, Lord, I need more. I have a family. I need to put food on the table. And you're genuine. You're sincere. And you pray. You beg God. You want miracles to happen. And at that moment, when you're poor, you believe in miracles. Right? Until they happen. Guess what? What do you think? Which one is, uh, is more difficult to manage? Poverty or wealth? Some of us will think, oh, no, no, if God blesses me, oh, man, I'm going to be so grateful. Maybe you've not been blessed yet. Ask people that have been blessed. When God answers your prayers, there's more temptation to be ungrateful. See, when you were having $500, you were giving $50 to the Lord easily. Easily. You're like, $50, of course, 10%. And then you've been praying for years and God promoted you. Now from 500 now you're earning 10000 per month. And your 10% is how much? 1,000. You go, what? Do you think God needs $1,000? Now, now you become very spiritual now. Arguing about your place to church. You know, you go, preacher, tell me, do you think God needs bread, man? Everything belongs to God, man. He doesn't need anything from anyone. 1,000? Yes, but, but, but why are you looking about the 1,000 that you're giving to God? What about the 9,000 that are staying in your pocket? What type of share is that? He gives you 10,000, you take 9,000 for yourself, but you're struggling to give him 1,000. And then now you take the 9,000 and you take 300 from his 1,000. And then you take 500 from his 1,000. Before you find out your pledge is only $200. And then you go, I used to give only $50, now I'm giving 200. That's cool. You think God is stupid? That diminishing desire to give to God is telling you your treasure is not in his kingdom anymore. And if you find yourself in that position this morning, you can reverse it today. You have to make that decision. Because what is, was a blessing can turn out to become a curse for your life. Amen, church? Amen. So don't eat and be satisfied and then forget the Lord. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Amen, guys? Amen. And then the diminishing desire to be with God's people. If you feel that one also, you're in danger. You're drifting. The diminishing desire to be with disciples. Has that happened to you? Oh my goodness. Psalms 122 verse 1. Let's read this one. I hope you're fired up this morning. Yes. Psalms 122 verse 1. The diminishing desire to be with God's people. To fellowship with disciples. is a sure, sure sign that something is wrong. Look at David's attitude over here. He goes, 122 verse 1. He goes, over here, right. Everybody's right there? All right. I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Verse 2. Our feet are standing in your gates, O Jerusalem. Wow. David rejoices with those who said to him, let us go to the house of the Lord. See? He doesn't rejoice with those who tell him, let us leave the church. Let us stay away from the church. That means he surrounded himself with a group of believers that will always encourage him to go back into the house of the Lord. He wants to be with them. Are your best friends in the church? If you really believe that we're going to heaven, that if you cannot become a disciple, you cannot go to heaven, how is it that your best friends are in the world 
And you're not even influencing them to become disciples. Tell me how, how much you really believe in the message you're preaching. See, some of us, we come to church and then we're just looking at our watch all the time. What time is it? Oh, man, this church service is getting long, man. man. Once we say, last song, over. watching your football match when you're hanging out with your friends your true friends, you never look at your watch it could go on forever, you're like oh stay man, let's have some more but with God you go hey Lord, you only have two hours for this and I'm watching at what time does the church service start? 10, it should end by 12 if you pass 12 man, I'm going to struggle spiritually Hey, sis, can we go on date this week? No. Some of you have not been on date for three months. Every time somebody asks you, you go, no. Why? Because you don't feel the desire to see with disciples. You know? And you're thinking, we're going to go on dates. What are we going to do there? What are we going to do there? <laughs> and some of, you, some of you brothers, you also, you contribute to this, you know what I mean? You go on date and you become too spiritual on dates. Going on a date with a sister is not the moment to have your quiet time. You see what I mean? <laughs> so you go, okay, you go pick the sister in front of her building. Before you get into the car, you go, hey, sis, 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 let's pray. To get in the car? Yeah, let's pray. Father, that's our time together. Father, and then your prayer will last 15 minutes just to get in the car. And then you get to the restaurant to eat. Hey, let's start over prayer right now. Father, yeah, and you think you're impressing her, right? Yeah. And then you go, and then, uh, okay, sis, what are you going to eat? Okay, oh, you eat, okay. Oh, don't eat pork. That's not spiritual. Okay, sis, what have you been learning in your Bible this week? Oh, let me share, sis. I really, I'm ready to share with you some incredible stuff that I've learned this week. 25 scriptures. Then the sister feels like, oh, man, this guy, man, I love being with Christ and read the Bible, but there should be a little bit of balance right there. So, brothers, please don't do it that way, man. So when you see this diminishing desires in your heart, it's time to take action. Amen, church? And also you have the diminishing desire to share the gospel. You're sharing less and less. Are you sharing more and more or are you sharing less and less? I find myself sometimes sharing less and less. When I was a young Christian, if I go to church without having a guest, I would feel very bad. But as a mature Christian today, you know, sometimes I go to church for two, three weeks, I don't have a guest, then I don't really feel bad. Why? Because I justify I've been bringing people to church for years. I've been fruitful for years. You know what I mean? My glory shouldn't be in the past. Every day you should be growing stronger. Amen, church? Next week you got to have a guest in the church. And if you don't go for it, you're not going to have it. Amen? And then number three to finish. Now that you know that it's a dangerous thing to drift away, and now you know the signs, the symptoms, check your life. If you see one of the symptoms, it's time to have a great talk today with your disciple or brother or sister that can help you spiritually. Amen, church? And then lastly, what are the currents that can cause you to drift? 
The current that can cause you to drift. Number one, the current of time. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9. Time can be your biggest ally, but can also be your biggest enemy in your work with God. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9. The currents of time. Verse 9. He says over here, let us not become what? Weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not do what? Wow. Time is a dangerous thing. Is time playing for you or time playing against you? In every relationship, if you build any relationship properly at the beginning, it's always honeymoon. Every relationship is honeymoon at the beginning. If you really enjoy it. When you have a new friend, honeymoon. When you just get married, honeymoon. Right? You got a new job? Excited. Honeymoon? If you like your job, right? Okay? So, you got baptized? Honeymoon. That period would not last all the time, right? There's a period in your Christian life when you didn't have to do a lot of effort to reach your Bible, to pray, to come to church, to bring guests. It was just so exciting. Then with time, when you get used to the good things of God, if you don't renew your spirit of gratitude all the time, you could take the good things of God for granted. Does that make any sense? Like I've seen people starving in Africa, and they're starving to the point of death. And then I will go, I will go like, wow, this kid is suffering a lot. I have to do something about it. Then I remember taking one of these young girls and then adopting her into a family, not legally, but taking her to live in our family. She was not having any food. Now she's living in my house. The first few months, of course, at the beginning, everything you give her, wow. Even the leftover bread, she's such so thankful. And she loved to eat. She will eat, and you will see in her heart, in her eyes, she's grateful. When she's eating, she's thankful. She keeps saying, thank you. After one year, two years, the same girl. Now when we serve her food, she goes, why are we all eating all this rice all the time? I remember those days. I was so shocked. I went, what? <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes you will serve her. Yeah, true story. Sometimes you give her food and she doesn't eat it. And then she's moody. And I go, what's going on? She goes, Tired of eating that stuff. <laughs> and I'm tempted. I'm like, do you remember where you're coming from? Now you have a choice? How many of us are like that with Christ? Hey, Jesus, what? Planting another church? I'm used to it. Jesus, what? Leading the Bible talk? Ah. Jesus, what? Ah. I'm not happy. Tell me how you can be a disciple and not be happy. What more does it take to make you happy as a disciple? When you already have Jesus, you have the blood of Christ, you have that incredible sacrifice on the cross. What else should God do beside of giving Jesus that will make you happy? That's the ultimate sacrifice. If the cross if Jesus' love is not enough to make you happy, there's nothing that will make you happy on planet Earth. Yeah. Amen, church? Yeah. So the problem is not the church. The problem is not your, uh, your partner in the gospel. It's not your uh, discipling partner. The problem is your heart. Yeah. 
Let's always check our level of gratitude and keep thanking God for whatever grace we have in God's kingdom. Amen, church? Amen, church? Yeah. Are you grateful to have a movement? You see, you don't even understand the importance of having a movement of churches coming together and dreaming for one purpose, evangelizing the world, until you lose it. Are you grateful for discipling? Like you feel like, why? This brother is always asking me about stuff about my life. I mean, I don't feel comfortable. But guess what? The day you lose it, the day nobody cares about you, you're going to miss it. That happened to me. Always having friends in my life talking to me. Hey, you know, this evangelist discipling me, calling me on the phone, bro, friend. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, bro, it's too much, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. Just be cool, man. Cool, cool. Calm down a little bit, man. Calm down. How's your marriage blaze? How's your purity blaze? Oh, man, bro, calm down. Calm down. Calm down. Until one day, the movement crashed and we were not doing discipline anymore. Now you're going to church like a zombie and everybody's looking at you like, are you thinking, ask me something? Talk to me. Yeah. I used to travel to all our churches all around the world, and then people would wake up me like, please, my brother, give me a hug. After the crash of the church, I traveled to the same churches. They're like, how you doing? I just landed from Africa. How you doing? Nobody takes me out for lunch. Sometimes, unfortunately, it's when you lose the good things of God that you regret it. So time will test us. How are you doing with time? Growing older as a disciple. You're 15 years old in the faith. Are you still fired up? Or are you now mature? See, some of us, that's how we call it maturity, you know? Less assignment, less zeal, maturity. How are you guys doing? Bro, why are you that that? I'm getting mature. <laughs> Never lack in a zeal, man. <laughs> Number two, the currents of familiarity. You could get familiar to the good things of God, and then you lose that gratitude. And then lastly, the currents of the flesh. The less grateful you are, the more sinful you become. The less you reach your Bible, the more you sin. The less prayer you do, the more sin you commit. I mean, you got to choose today. Drifting away is a danger for every disciple. Nobody is human. Peter could fall away. Judas fell away. You and I can fall away. We have to play by the rules. It's time to go back. If you diagnose any of these symptoms in your life, don't get down on yourself. We all get sick from time to time spiritually, amen? Now, the stupid things to do is to find yourself with a fever, 100 degrees, and then you don't go to see the doctor. You go, it's going to go away. Once you see the symptoms, they don't just go away like that. You have to do something about it. Everybody can recover from this thing. Church, let's love the salvation we've received and be grateful for that grace of salvation. And let's start staying in the race. Let's fight hard because we are riding against the tide. That's why we get tired, but get your energy from the cross. Talk to your brothers. Get some disciples to inspire you. Be in your scriptures. Read your Bible. Pray all the time. And go back to work. When we help other people to come to Christ, we're investing in our own salvation. Evangelism is not just to save people that are lost. 
Evangelism is to keep those who are saved, saved. Amen, church? Do not drift away, and let's keep building the great Venice church, and to God be the glory. Amen. Amen.